All right, here we go. Another show in another week that somebody in my family is sick and therefore I'm still coughing. So sorry, everybody. I got a cough drop in my throat, which is highly unprofessional, but it's the lesser of two evils and me hacking all over the place. So that's my Man, what, professional intro. I was going to say, what an intro, Pat. I mean, just leading with the positivity Man. right there. <laughs> the I'm sorry that you're sick. It's <laughs> is down hard, man, for like weeks because yes. with five no people in the family, everybody gets it and it takes like seven weeks to move through everybody. And then the little girl picks something up at daycare and the cycle starts again. So we're just, we've been getting slammed. But anyway, the, I love it. The show today is about an ebook that I put out. It's free. You can go to crosswellinchman.com, click on ebook, get it for free. Enjoy. And I didn't really have any intentions of writing one. It wasn't like a lifelong dream. Sure. I I would get questions from people frequently who were programming nerds and and like wanted a resource to go to. And I'd point them to all the classic ones that you know we're familiar with. And you know, probably one of the uh, the greatest ones that if people haven't read, they should is Greg Glassman wrote one in 2002 mm-hmm. or three. It's in February, and it's called A Theoretical Template for Crosses Programming. I've read that a billion times, inspired by it. Um, but those and some other ones as well, I always felt there were some stones left unturned. And so mm-hmm. this last time when I had to start creating a four-week block of training, I just said, you know what, I'm going to open a document, and I'm going to just start typing like an almost stream of consciousness as to why this is happening. And if it goes somewhere, cool. So that, I mean, that's basically the whole genesis of it. Well, I love it. I was going to lead the uh, the witness here and say that this show is based on your favorite topic, which is topic talking about yourself, you know, oh, I, I've known no, you, you for t- long you enough. You talk and... about me for a while. <laughs> and I, I know it's one of your favorite things to do is when the conversation squarely focused on Pat Sherwood, that's like, the best for you. So uh, anyway, no, let's try to make it about the book. But um, I I am really curious. And actually, that was kind of the first thing that I wanted to talk about. But before all that, congratulations. I mean, I think it's really cool. And I love that it's out there. I love that it's free. I mean, that's just so cool and kind of core to the old school ethos, where it's like, hey, man, it's out there, use it or don't take it and make it better. Get what you can from it. Like, I think that's such a cool thing to, uh, to keep alive. So good for you for doing that. Um, and I, I would like to tell everyone too, like, please, 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 I don't have this much hubris, right? I'm not saying this is how you or anybody else should program. I'm just saying, yep. I've been doing this for a while. I found something that works really well um, and helps me not make knucklehead decisions. And if you'd like to read it and, and see if it leads you somewhere, great. That's it. Well, and that's the other thing that I was, uh, you cued me up beautifully. That was the other thing that I was struck as I was reading through it was just how often you come back to the central message of, look, this is one approach. Don't be beholden to it. The magic's going to get killed if you get too rigid. Yep. These are just things that I've observed and I've crafted within my own process that work for me. Uh, However, this is not, you know, the only way to tackle it. And I find that so refreshing because I think that so many times these days, everybody's got the secret sauce and, oh my goodness, how could it be any other way? Uh, But that message is not part of your offering which i think is great so and not to get us off track but i know there are some folks because i've talked to them who are almost offended (laughs) that anything past like greg's original would come out as if as if it um is a finished work under thick glass in a museum you're not allowed to touch it or breathe on it you smile you take a selfie and you move on and it's like i don't think anybody in the whole fitness world is beyond like hey 
like play with these no. things. Let's try to establish, yeah. you know, always, always evolve, evolve, evolve. So that was it. That was the whole well, genesis. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's an interesting attitude to take too, because, you know, having been around CrossFit for a long time and having been around Greg and, and so many of the like early adopters and influencers, you know, I don't want to speak for them. But to me, the takeaway was like, no, this is a living thing. It's not this like static. I agree. I am in that know, camp, my friend. I'm in that camp. Yeah. And so it is interesting that people want to look back and, and kind of um, codify this into something that's like, no, so, it's forever so, this you know, way. But, free reign to hack up what I created. Yeah. Have a blast. Yeah. Well, anyway, so let's get into it. I, I love that you have that approach in the beginning where it's basically a pyramid of decision making. And so the first decision that you kind of lead people through is let's get the heavy days on the books. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so kind of curious as to how that has evolved over the years. Like, why do you start with the heavy days and not, say, time domains, which is kind of at the tail end of your process? Yeah, it's funny. Well, th there's, there's a bunch there, and I'll try to make it concise. Um, and I remember I was chatting with actually Chad Vaughn. He started with the heavy days as well, which, uh, when he does GPP programming for Makes people. Sense. And, <laughs> and I was like, and, well, but when he does GPP programming for yeah. people and not just lifting. And in my mind, I was like, look, we're not going heavy every day. Right. Okay. As a matter of fact, it's it's unusual to have two classic heavy days in one week. You know, you might have a heavy day and a heavy day at a high heart rate, or maybe in a ten mm -hmm. day period, two classics and a heavy day at a, high, at a high heart rate. But you're not going heavy plus Metcon every day. So if you're going to lift heavy, let's just say once, you better put a tremendous amount of time, thought, and effort as to what that movement happens to be, mm -hmm. how it relates to everything else that's happening that week, the rep scheme as well. It's just too important if you only get one shot at it to do to be willy nilly and hope that it's just going to work out in the long run. And oh, but we're doomed. We're doomed with the timeline, Adrian. No, it's it's great. Go you with know, it. Just let it happen. In my personal <laughs> opinion, I'll take a stance. And this might chap some behinds. Hmm. It's a you know I'll, hear, I'll also hear some folks in the interwebs be like, I don't even know why we're having this discussion. All CrossFit programming is the same. Like, what do you like? It's and that immediately in my mind, hmm. it qualifies that person as being so ignorant on the topic. I mean, you could have a gymnastics mm -hmm. bias, a heavy bias, or whatever happened to bias, right? Um, or, or just a thoughtless program that doesn't have any real structure to it, right. which and, I think and, happens it would, And I would say you can get away with it for a while, right? Like, sure. like yep. let's just say rather thoughtless programming. If it's just as simple as, you know what, well, Went below parallel today. I guess we shouldn't tomorrow. That's about the extent of like the thoughts you're putting into it. And you have functional movements and you're going to sprinkle some intensity in there. You'll get beginners who haven't had experience to functional movements and variance and intensity. Their fitness will skyrocket. And you mm -hmm. may even launch some people into the intermediate status like that, but they'll get stuck there or plateaued is my personal right. opinion. And if you want to get somebody... Hi, my daughter's waving at me. Hey, honey. Um, if you want to get somebody with one workout a day and nothing more and no linear strength program and none of that other stuff, like one workout a day for somebody who's still been doing CrossFit 10 years and is like yeah. an advanced level athlete, you can't willy nilly choose anything and something and not something as critical as that heavy day if you're only going to do it once. Yeah, I, I was really struck reading through that section in particular. I had a couple of notes that I jotted down here. And I think it ties back to this conversation that always seems to recirculate, which is, you know, why not do a heavy day plus conditioning in the same session? My affiliate programs that way. Is it good? Is it bad? Like that's forever going to be a, a topic, I believe. Keeps us employed. Um, 
Yeah. And, and I think you and I, if, if you have to reduce it down, I think both of us believe that more often than not, it's better to approach one thing and really knock it out of the park during that session than it is to try to do everything or multiple things. And, you know, we've done multiple episodes on that, so I don't feel the need to rehash sure. that here. But what I thought as I was reviewing that section on, on how you lay out the heavy days first, I was like, okay, if you're going to commit to this idea that it's one really focused effort per day, then you have to be really smart about that approach. And so, yes, if you're going to do that, then you necessarily have to put the time in to make sure that it's complete. And so that, I think, is a really valuable thing that I haven't really articulated in that way before, which is, yes, it's great to do one thing per day, meaning you don't have to always lift and then go huff and puff. But that makes a little bit more uh, pressure for the person programming to make sure that they've approached things in a way that that base, when it is covered, is covered appropriately and continues to push the needle. So that really stuck out to me. It's like, okay, if you're going to do it, you got to commit. You really have to do it. You can't half-ass it, so to speak. Yeah, again, it's just been, you know, what is, um, what's the guy from Parks and Rec say? Ron Swanson. Don't half-ass it. Do one thing and use your whole ass. That's right. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, so that really stuck out to me in that section. And then the second thing that really stuck out to me, um, particularly, you had this great page where you start talking about the process of looking back over the past up to six months and you go reverse, oh, chronologi sure. reverse chronological order of all of the different heavy days and categorize by either a pure heavy day or like a heavy day with high heart rate, which is right, a cool right. distinction. And there's a, a page of that, a demonstration page in the book. And what really struck me about that was seeing that I counted it up and I think on that page there was 40 plus heavy day opportunities in that time frame. And so that was one of those interesting kind of aha moments, even though I've been doing this for decades now, where you see it laid out on paper and the argument of, well, you're not going to get strong Absolutely. doing CrossFit. Absolutely. When you stare at the face of that, it falls apart on its face because you say, look at all of these strength specific opportunities to improve. And, and so, yeah, if you're going to hold it up against the highest level powerlifting only program or a specific weightlifting program, will you continue to push the needle in strength as quickly and as with as much focus as those programs? No, but it's not meant to. But will you continue to get strong? I think the opportunity is abundantly clear that it's there. And, and it's impossible to miss when you see it laid out in reverse chronological order like that. So really cool. That page is one of the most striking ones, too, because if everyone yep. doesn't feel like there's enough heavy stuff, every time I lay that page out, I feel like, yeah. are we doing too much? Like, there's yeah. there's so much heavy. And and that that talk of if you do it with intentionality and you put a lot of time, thought, and effort into it, the gains that you can make without a heavy lift every day or without, like, a linear back squat progression are are tremendous. I mean, not that one person's example is, is whatever, but we had somebody um, come over who was already like a high level lifter, their back squat was four and a quarter, which at, yeah. at the BTWB, that puts them above 90% on the on the deal. They've been doing this stuff for about three years with no linear back squat progression, just the stuff that you saw on that page. Their back squat went from 425 to 565 pounds. They gained 140 nice. pounds on an already advanced level back squat, which you would say you can't be an advanced lifter and make gains yeah. unless you're getting this highly sports specific no 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 i'm sorry like you've been lied to so mm -hmm. anyway it's it's worth the effort would be my two cents of that so it's worth the effort yeah clearly and and like i said it was really eye-opening just to see it laid out <clears throat> and to be 
struck with like, hey, look, oh, you don't think you're going to get strong with this laundry list of opportunities to pick up heavy stuff? You're, you're out of your mind. So really, really uh, excellent exercise, I think. And even if people don't adopt your particular flavor of, of how they approach programming, I think there's a ton of utility in that retro retrospective and to see something. <clears throat> yeah. And, and in both directions, right? Like I think you'll be able to lay out your past program and look at it and say, okay, look at all this opportunity I'm creating. It makes sense that my program is doing what it's supposed to, or the opposite where you lay it out and you're like, wow, it's way more sparse than I thought it was. Sure. And that happens. This needs to change. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Happens. So, so that's cool. <clears throat> okay. So then the, that kind of leads me to the next thing that jumped out at me. Um, so you know, as you're going on, you start laying out these uh, heavy days, you start talking about them as, you know, pure days or kind of heavy with a high heart rate. And then you start looking at the movements themselves and categorizing them based on your perceived need. You know, you're like, okay, this is an right. A1 kind of movement, meaning that's uh, yeah, definitely yeah. got to be next. Yep. Uh, and you kind of have that loose system. And, and um, what I wasn't sure about was how many of those do you allow yourself? Like, is it arbitrary how many A1s there are? Do you have kind of a mental uh, uh, number that you're aiming for where you're like, okay, well, there can only be two or three A1s and then I have to start bumping the categories down? Or is that more intuitive? For, for the heavy or for the different movements, for other movements? It, speaking about the heavy specifically. Okay. Yeah, so for the heavy, for each category, there would be only one A1. Like for, like for the below parallel stuff. Got it. There's like several types of back squats, several types of front, several types of overhead, several types of, of like say squat clean. And out of all those things, only one's going to be the A1, you know, because yep. all of those are in under the general umbrella of below parallel. And then, yep. you know, they have some some subsets, but I'll only allow myself one. And, and that A1, even though based upon the data, right, this is why you can't fall in love with the sheet, might the A1 might be what should be programmed next based upon your research, but you still have four other workouts that have to get programmed mm -hmm. that week. So there might be something else that came up that week or the week before that it negates that. And then you go to A2 or A3, but at least you're doing that um, with your eyes wide open and, and not kind of guessing at where you should be. And you're not making just a random choice. Got it. Okay. So on that page, you'll have, let me see if this is correct. And so you'll have an A1 by category of movement as far as what needs to show up next. Yep. You've already got the information as far as what recently showed up. And so that can kind of help to sift through which which of those A1s really needs to be top dog. And ba that basically creates the priority list. Yep. A recency bias, whatever. Yeah. And then based off of that, you've got a placeholder so that when you go through your other steps, you can say, okay, this A1 was obviously something that jumped out. But hey, we have these other workouts and I I've kind of borrowed a movement to make this workout fit better. Therefore, maybe that A1 gets replaced by an A2. Absolutely. And, it's e and then it takes the stress and the guesswork out of it because there's so many movements that we do. Like, how are you going to keep them straight? Unless yep. you, and again, you don't have to do what I'm doing, but you have to have some way to keep them straight. So I'm just offering the way that I keep them straight. Because even if you go back to like that 2002 or 2003 article that Greg wrote, he has one, uh, one of the pages has like monostructural weightlifting and gymnastics movements at the top. And mm -hmm. even under, I think the, I actually put the article right here. So perhaps I printed it out and prepped for this. That has the biggest, the biggest category is on uh, gymnastics. It only has like a dozen movements. It, you know, 
there's only four here. There's like seven there. There's not too many to keep. As the years have gone by, there's like 125 different things that we yeah. do. You're just not going to keep that straight without some sort of deal. And then as you, like you're saying, you had that placeholder, you knew what based upon the research made the most sense there. You start to build out the rest of the day. Suddenly something doesn't fit. And now instead of being a stressful situation, you look back and you're like, ah, oh, you know what? Back squat doesn't fit. Oh, this squat cleaner front squat fits here and that's the a3 but if it's beautifully great done and then and then it just the domino falls the domino falls the domino falls yeah right on okay cool so then you know you work through some of your other steps and then i was kind of curious about this step where you're focused on upper body pulling and uh midline stabilization and so okay. you know midline stabilization that makes a ton of sense obviously that's got to be a priority it's kind of the foundation of so many things um, but I'm curious why upper body pulling took the hot seat as opposed to upper body pressing or some other category. Like that one was called out specifically. So I'm curious as to why you arrived at that conclusion. You know, when I went from heavy day to engine to upper body pulling in midline, it was kind of the upper body pulling in midline were two things that I didn't feel generally got the respect that they deserved or they were easy to miss or neglect. You know, getting the barbell from the ground to overhead generally tends to work its way in there. Uh, and so if you don't early in the process, make sure that you're getting some of the non-sexier stuff in there. You can be playing this game of catch up down the road, which is which is a lesson that I've learned the hard way. And so I just pay attention to it earlier in the process now. Oh, I love that. OK, so it's an identified potential weakness or oversight that you're like, look, let's just nip this in the bud with a check and balance so that I can't miss it. It's like it's going to jump out of the process and and call to me so that I have to put it in there. That's cool. You know, it's it's grace is most likely going to make its way in there, but you might not put in the strict, <laughs> the strict pull-ups in the LSIP unless you like right. have this dedicated like, hey, am I neglecting this? This needs to get the respect that it deserves. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And, so yeah, And somebody else could, you know, hey, switch it around to whatever... Um, you know, your process works, you put it fourth, second, third, whatever you like. Well, I think that speaks to the kind of personal nature of a lot of this, right? Like this is over time, you've noticed right. that left to your own devices with no process that you might not get those categories hit as much as they need to. And mm -hmm. other people may be the opposite way. Like you might have somebody who's like so pull heavy that they need a reminder somewhere else and they should therefore structure their template for, for their own kind of bias. And one of the eliminates their own pious, right? One of the other things I tried to pepper in there, and, and I hope that people um, get it as well, whatever your process is, 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 you know, I've got nine steps here. Wherever step you're at, like, you can't fall in love with what you've created because the next yeah. step might identify something that you've, like, so it's, it's a constant, yep. there's editing going on constantly. Don't fall mm -hmm. in love with it. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so then you're moving through some of these other steps and... Um, what I really thought was a cool and I think somewhat unconventional approach is that you're very late in the steps before you start talking about reps and rounds and time domains. Mm -hmm. I think, and uh, I'll speak personally here, you know, I really like to start with at least time domains. Time domains is always something that for me personally, I like to use as kind of a basic framework and then, you know, build off of that. Um, but for you, that's almost the 
total inverse. Uh, it, you know, it's late in the game that you start really talking about the, the specifics of a workout. Yeah. Um, was, that, was that always the case or is that something that over time you've kind of played around with? It was probably over time because I think I started with the same material that everyone else started with. And uh, I don't have a sophisticated answer for this. So this might be overly um, coarse, uh, but <laughs> I, I, I don't want to say that I don't think it's as important as some of the elements, but I almost don't think it's as important as some of the elements because you could do, you could nail your time domains. Hey, look, I did a short and sharp and I did a medium in it and I did a long. And you didn't pay attention to your gross movement patterns and you went below mm -hmm. parallel every day or you never went below parallel. And then I don't care about your that you nailed the time domains. Like yeah. there's something way more important than that. And so I like to get those huge, like I, I've got to make sure I get the heavy days right. I've got to make sure I get my gross movement patterns right. Like if I, if there's some just foundational stuff like I can make, I can squat and I can, you know, whatever the gross movement pattern happens to be the heavy day. Like I can figure out what I need to do and then I can take that and I can create a short and sharp workout, or I can make a 20-minute AMRAP out of it, right? And so I'd rather know what I need to do first, and then it's like, okay, short and sharp, this, that, loading, rep range. But if I go the other way, and it's like, it's got to be that, it's not as important as, as the stuff earlier on in the process. So for me, and that was one of the things, and again, heaven forbid you critique something that was written in the journal years ago. <laughs> but that was one of the, the, the biggest things that I always struggled with is, there's almost like no mention of gross movement patterns in some mm -hmm. of the early material. It is time domains and make sure you get a weightlifting monostructural gymnastics followed by a couplet and make sure you get a single modality. Well, if every day was a, a pull from the ground, like you could, you could mess that up. You could follow that and mess up or just beat the stuffing out of your athletes so bad mm -hmm. that it never made any sense to me. So that's why I, I focused on these other ones first. And then I can, I can make something a three-round workout, or if I decide I need a short and sharp, it it goes from a three-round workout to maybe three one-round sprints with three minutes rest in between each. And now I've got my short and sharp, or you know what? I need a three-rounder. The, the rest out, the rest periods are gone. Now it's a three-round, but I covered those major building blocks that were mm -hmm. like mission critical to development, but like not overstressing the athlete, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a really cool approach. And and I, I like that logic a lot about, hey, you know, once you have some of these other elements in play, you know, determining where the final kind of output is, is pretty simple. I mean, it's not, it's not difficult to add a round or you two got, if you, you got need more to stretch leeway it out. There. Or, yeah, 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 not a big deal. I've got uh, more leeway with, with, to make time domains fit than I've got leeway mm -hmm. to make gross movement patterns or heavy days fit, in yep. my opinion, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. That's a great... Uh, no, that, I don't think that was coarse at all, man. I think that was very helpful. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool. Okay. So then the, uh, the other thing that I think is a pitfall that a lot of um, programmers kind of fall into. So if you talk about kind of, you know, step-by-step -step progression here, we're talking about nine steps that you've got. Each one of those steps is pretty in-depth. Yeah. There's a lot of thinking. There's going to be some tinkering along the way before you, you kind of land on something. And even when you get to the final piece, you're going to step back, you're going to take a look at the big picture and you're probably not done yet, right? So there's a lot of process involved, which is cool. Um, I think one of the things that a newer coach or trainer can often get distracted by are things like equipment selection or specialty movements and, and uh, sure, objects and yeah, stuff like yeah. that. And I feel like there's almost no mention of that. And so I'm curious if and when you choose to kind of add that little bit of spice on top, 
how does that fit in or does it fit in or is it just kind of not really that important in your opinion? When you say like a specialty, something like, give me an, an example of something, like a specialty uh, what? Like a, uh, a, the choice to use double kettlebells instead of a barbell or uh, the choice okay, gotcha, to, gotcha. to use a sandbag instead of a uh, deadlift, you know, something right, sure, like sure. that. You know, it's, um, and it's funny, like I, I stopped when I realized, you know, I stopped when I stopped, I think I put down the last thing, like there's so much more to discuss from mm-hmm. where, you know, warm ups to how our goal times created to like, there's so much more and what you just talked about there could be uh, a whole nother deal. But um, when I, after it's all created near the end upon review, I'll try to take a, a look back and, and make sure that we're getting in, you know, either some single legs, some single arm that could be with a dumbbell or a kettlebell or whatever it happens to be. Um, and that would, to me, would be more important than the implement, right? Like doing a, mm-hmm. uh, a single arm with a dumbbell, a single arm with a kettlebell, all good to go. I will say, and also each day, you know, I, I the workouts that I put out and when we built this four-week template, that's the primary workout. But then I'll make four other options of that. So there's five options total, you know, and one of them is always a dumbbell option. So there's Every single word that you see, there's a dumbbell option every single darn day. So you're going to get mm-hmm. in that, you know, that great stimulus there. Um, but then some of the other stuff, I'll, I'll take a look at the end and just try to make sure I'm not neglecting something. You know, put in double kettlebells or kettlebell snatch instead of a dumbbell snatch, things like that. But I will be honest and say that uh, stuff like sandbags, I don't program sandbags with any regularity at all. I don't program yokes with any regularity at all. I own a yoke and I own a ton of sandbags and they are awesome and fun and useful. And I hope everyone has them and gets to use them. What I try to do is, is educate my community on how, if you have a sandbag available and it's grace for the day, how you can make the decision to use that cool piece of gear. But if I program that based upon just the interaction I've had with my community over years, I think there's like there's such a small fraction of people that actually have that gear that I would now be dismissing the overwhelming huge majority of people that are going to choose the workout and, and programming it for the small select few that have the cool gear. So I'd rather do it for the masses and then educate everybody on, hey, you're always authorized to use that cool piece of gear that you have. And this is how you could do that personally. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And it, it, there's another strong theme within the book that is you know, the mark of the true professional, and these are my words, but I think this is what you're trying to convey to some degree is um, knowing what you can trim away uh, and really get to the core of what's important. And I would argue that just kind of based on the way you've laid things out and your answer right there, that there probably is some, some legitimacy to the fact that, you know, exercise, I'm sorry, equipment choice, looking at some of these more exotic toys, they are nice to have, they're but fun. you don't need to have them. Yeah, yeah they're fun. You know, I, yeah. I really am a minimalist at heart, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. And it's funny because I look around my garage right now and I'm like, dude, I got every toy you can <laughs> ever get want, you know, but I get everything. <laughs> yep. But when it comes right down to it, man, you give me 10 square feet and, uh, you know, a single kettlebell and I'm going to be just, just happy with it. So. Amen. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, I, I really, uh, I've only got like one more. Okay serious question here and um, i'm going to take a cough drop for it okay yeah get ready i think this might be an easy one and we might have already addressed it at the at the outset but uh you know this is a huge volume of work and it's not something that you came across easily this reflects like a ton of effort on your part not just to write this document but the process that has evolved over years 
and not just going through that, but being able to sit back and actually look at yourself and, and articulate it. Um, so that being said, like, why free? Why do you put it out mm. there for free? I've had several people ask me the same question. Um, I would say personally, it's a throwback to, you know, like I said, I've got it printed out here. Greg, I'll, I'll tell you what year it is so people can have it. Greg's original article, theoretical template for, pro, uh, for process programming, February 2003, CrossFit Journal Issue 6. That's a good one there. How about it? Um, yeah. You know, I owe so much to Greg Glassman and what he created, and he gave away so much for free mm-hmm. that it was ridiculous. And I personally never um, forgot that. I mean, in all this stuff, all this work that I do, it, you know, whatever, it's in true like CrossFit fashion. Like it's, it's posted every day for free. It's not behind a paywall. You can see these workouts for free every darn day. And, and I've tried to stay uh, true to those roots and Greg gave out a lot. And so I kind of feel like it's um, some of our duty to carry the torch. And so it's, it's kind of me paying it forward and hopefully somebody else can pay it forward. Yeah, right on. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot because this is one that's taken this question mm. a little bit deeper. But uh, how come you're not afraid that somebody else isn't going to open up Linchpin 2 and just copy your method? And uh, <laughs> how, come, how come there's no fear of that? Why is that something that doesn't <sighs> seem to be a part of the conversation? I've had that question. I, you know, and I don't know. And I also know when you, when you open the books like this, you open yourself to both praise and criticism. You know, like sure. someone can tear it apart and make a 28-part series. That's why it's the dumbest thing they've ever seen. Um, well, I, the counter I, is that I, people actually have to watch that rebuttal. Yeah, too, yeah, right? yeah. True. <laughs> I, my um, my uh, thing I would say is I I hope it helps people, but I also like it's a it's a fair amount of work, and it's not mm-hmm. like sexy work. Like it's just a lot yeah. of like grind to go through. Now I happen to enjoy it, and that's a gift. But I liken it to here's the best analogy that I can give. Matt Chan, you know him. Mm-hmm. Remember when, Fantastic there was the cro- guy. Yep. Remember when there was the CrossFit competitors course? Sure do. Yep. He was giving a lecture. Shout, shout out Matt Chan and Eric O'Connor for, yeah, for I that. Think, that was a great I think it's Spiel's gym in Park City. And mm-hmm. he was laying out how to be a games athlete and how to train. And he was doing it in Utah, which was his region, back with regionals. Mm-hmm. And there was somebody in the audience who basically raised their hand like, look, I'm not trying to call you out, but why would you tell us what we need to do? Because we're going to compete against you. Yeah. And God bless Matt Chan. He goes, because it's so hard, you won't do it for more than two weeks. <laughs> I love it. Oh, <laughs> like, Matt. So good. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. that a great answer? And so, <laughs> for like, sure. yeah. um, uh, it's, it's just a ton of work, man. So, we're like, I'd probably have somebody else do it for me, too. I'm already doing it. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, no, it's um, great. But, but if you, there are programming nerds out there, myself being one of them. And so, this is just a book that I wish that I had. And if you are falling into that camp of you want to dive into it, have a blast, my friend, and and no pride in authorship. Tear it up and, and rework mm-hmm. it however you want to rework. It's my gift to you. Yeah, and I think there's a ton of utility. This is something that um, I think a lot of the old school crew did, whether they thought that they were doing it or not. But it was kind of um, monkey see, monkey do in the sense that you would, at least I did, I would start with the main site and I would do the main site. And then I would get to the point where I was comfortable enough with it, even if I didn't really understand the workings. I was comfortable enough with it that I could kind of get to the point of predicting what was happening mm-hmm. next. And then I would do that with people that were in that kind of orbit and putting workouts out there. I would jump to the next one and kind of take a look at it and, and try to reverse engineer how they arrived at, at those decisions. And even if it didn't make sense to me in the sense that I you know, didn't adopt that method 
or, you know, I, I thought that maybe there was a different way to approach things that was easier for me or better or whatever. I, I always learned something. And I think that process is so valuable. So for all of you younger coaches, particularly, even those of you that have been around the block for a while, taking a look at somebody else's process can not only inform your own, but it can also kind of give you some, some guidelines as far as like, where do you think about this stuff and how do you clarify your thinking? So mm -hmm. I think it's, it's valuable for everybody. Cool. Well, hopefully people enjoy it. And I yeah, got one more question if you're, oh, if you're open to it. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah, I, yeah, of course. Kind of, I kind of pitched it to you like that was the closer, but uh, one more. So uh, you got this process. It's awesome. It's thorough. Um, how often do you find yourself now going back and saying, okay, I think these steps need to be reevaluated or, you know, I need to change this process. Like, is that a slower time scale that happens over weeks and months and there's gradual change? Or do you ever have those yeah. moments where you look back and you're like, you know, we need a hard stop and a reset in this regard? It's probably slow and gradual. I, I would say it's probably that one. And I will actually say, you know, it's one of those things where you might, you know, you might know a lot about a certain topic, but if you have to go up in front of people and lecture about it, it makes yeah. you so much better on that topic. So like, oh, yeah, this is my process and I've been doing this forever, but I hadn't like written it all down step sure. by step with like this conscious stream of thought and like tried to like lay it out in a way that somebody else could do it. It was so valuable for me for like to analyze it. Like I had to take a hard look. I'm like, hey, I'm going to put this out. Is this stupid? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, mm -hmm. is, people are going to be reading this. Like it, it, it was really like putting the magnifying glass on it, which I hadn't done it to that degree I guess, ever. And so that was um, a hard analysis that I don't think I've ever done. And and I was happy with with how it went. Again, nothing's perfect. I ain't claiming this is perfect. I'm just saying mm -hmm. it, it, it works quite well. And and so it was valuable and that was recent. And so maybe now that I've had this um, out for a little bit, I can ruminate on some things and see if it, if it does create some evolution. But for the time being, it it stood up well when I had to write it down. I thought that was like a good a good test because yeah. heaven forbid i i got to the end of it i'm like i ain't publishing this this is terrible <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody has no. to know that i even thought about yeah. it <laughs> exactly it's cannot see the light of day right exactly <laughs> my little secret <laughs> <laughs> well i'm uh for one i'm thankful that that wasn't the case and that this is out there in the world and that you know it's available to people so i'll i'll uh i'll give you the softball uh on on the lead out here now um where can people find it and uh you know what what kind of closing thoughts do you have around it? Just it's on go to crossfitlinchman.com and there's a little tab mark ebook and then you can get it for free right there. It'll cool. get sent to you via email. Um yeah, you know, check I think it programming, out. It's, it's I think programming it. is really cool. Um it's not all the same, and that's neither good nor bad. You can do whatever you want with it. You can have a strength bias, you can have a gymnastics bias, you can have an endurance bias, you can have a GPP bias, which is what I try to do. Like it's an awesome, amazing blank slate. And I honestly think there's not a lot of there's not a lot of actual useful material out there because, again, credit where credit is due, prior to Greg Glassman, it was largely segmented training. Like all the books yeah. on how to do things and exercise physiology, it's all about segmented training. It's not mm -hmm. mixed modality of powerlifting and Olympic lifting and sprinting and running long. And there's nothing out there telling you how to create strength and conditioning protocols for that. It doesn't exist. And mm -hmm. so there was um, there's a need, and I hope other people... Uh, fill it as well because there's a lot of smart people out there so that's it yeah fun 
Yeah, awesome. Fun stuff. Well, thanks for letting me uh, put you in the hot seat for a little bit. That was, that was kind of fun to interview you. And uh, like I said, I know it's not maybe your favorite thing to uh, have the spotlight directly on you, but I think it's really valuable for people out there. So thank you yeah. for everything yeah, that no we do. I am um, much like yourself. I don't do a lot of it's funny. We have this podcast, but we don't do a lot of podcasts. Like I actually don't really enjoy being the guest. It's weird, even though mm -hmm. it's bizarre for some reason. So anyway. All right, cool. Well, also on top of that, hey, you want to support the show? Go to verynotrandom.com. A lot of cool stuff there. And we'll be back next week with another show. So for Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.